You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. My name is Todd Yuri. I consider myself pharmacist's greatest fan. I have been since 2009 when we released our publication. And we came together with RxSafe to do nothing but amplify the voice of pharmacists in leveraging technology, leveraging new ways of being profitable. Um, I want to thank the RxSafe team for bringing us all together for this lunch and for this panel discussion. For the next hour, we're going to be discussing practical ways to increase revenues within your pharmacy. We're also going to have some time at the end to hear from you and ask some questions of this amazing panel. So I'm going to start with Rana. How has Meds at Home improved the results for pharmacies? Yeah, thank you. Medical at Home is a wonderful opportunity. Uh, Long-term care pharmacy, NCPA has a long-term care division. Uh, Long-term care pharmacy is an important part of your business. If you're not already into long-term care, you know, learn how to get into long-term care. Um, There's a lot of opportunities, and approximately 50% of the long-term care market is serviced by independently owned pharmacies. So it's a big opportunity. Uh, We put a lot of time and effort at NCPA into long-term care and helping you grow that practice. And Medical at Home is a key component. It's our number one advocacy priority for NCPA's long-term care division. Uh, My number one priority over the last several years has been to get CMS to recognize these services. And great news is, about less than a year ago, they did recognize these services. Now, we have more work to do, and we can always get into more details later and come to Susan's session on Tuesday. But um, it's important because no DIR fees in long-term care. Medical at home, you can capture these patients and retain them. You can keep them by those high level of services you're providing to patients in a home setting who would otherwise need to be in an institution setting. So it's a really, really important opportunity and um, happy to continue the dialogue. Susan, in following up um, the results that you've seen uh, from your relationship with so many pharmacies that are working with Jerryman. So, so it not only offers you an opportunity to have packaging and get your special packaging out to people and following the 10 criteria for long-term care delivery 24-7 service that you offer to your patients that you're taking care of medical at home, but it also offers a chance for you to do clinical services and offer to them medication management, reconciliation, a lot of other things that pharmacists have been trying to do for years. Um, You can get with an ACO, you can get with a Medicaid managed program and actually make money in a different way in addition to what you're doing with the medical at home. So it offers a lot of variety of services that you can provide that you may have been thinking about for years in your pharmacy and never had an opportunity to do that. Yes, we want provider status, we need provider status, but in the meantime, there's methods that you can do to make money doing the services that you do the best. Um, And again, she talked about no DIR fees. Unfortunately, we're still working through that with getting the PBMs to pay for medical at home appropriately. Should be paid at a skilled nursing facility rate. But in the meantime, you can get a retail rate with no DIR fees with many of the payers, not all of them, but many of them. And that should help your bottom line to make sure that you are able to be profitable. Like Lisa said, it's not a four-letter word. You need to be profitable to stay in business and, and make your business the best that it can be. I think of the challenges that I kind of spoke to at the beginning when we were talking about DIR fees and patient noncompliance and stagnant growth and staffing issues. And I always look to pharmacy owners to uplift and give new ideas. So 
My question is for uh, Lisa, as a pharmacy owner, what new, um, what, what's the biggest challenges that you're seeing right now in independent pharmacy? I think right now with the whole pandemic and uh, quiet quitting and all that kind of stuff. I know in my own pharmacies, um, staffing issues have been the, probably the biggest headache. I mean, who in here has had staffing issues? You know, we kind of talked that before. It's like whether it's hiring or retaining or, you know, I had an employee that went on maternity leave and decided not to come back. And I think staffing issues is a very big deal. But I think the reason there's staffing issues is because all these other businesses are able to increase their pay to attract talent. And in pharmacy, we're, we're, even though we might want to, we're not able to to because of the other things, of the DIR fees, of the low reimbursements, of all these other things that keep that. And so it's not like working in a pharmacy is a bad environment, but you know, when McDonald's and Bucky's down the streets offering $20 an hour and you're trying to get a technician for 15, you know, that's just incongruent with, with our, um, the world that we're living in right now. So I think if we can fix the profitability issues in pharmacies, your staff issues will actually become better because you'll actually be able to afford the kind of high quality staff that you need. So um, ultimately, it always, for me, comes back to profitability. That is the biggest issue in pharmacy. And when you fix that, the downstream effects is you get to fix the other parts of your business as well. So um, I think that is ultimately the biggest issue. Debbie, before we started, you were talking to Bill about this exact thing. Um, I wanted to have you kind of pipe in and give us some ideas about issues that keep people from growing in their community pharmacies. Yeah, so I, I do uh, see the way that our community pharmacies can uh, earn that private pay source of revenue, working hand-in-hand hand with what you're talking about, to be able to diversify. Um, but I think one of the biggest challenges for our community pharmacy owners that I've spoken with regarding Happier at Home is the lack of time that you have. You're going in 20 different directions, you're trying to um, institute a lot of different changes, whereas then you have big box chain pharmacies that have that idea of getting into home care and home health, and they do it. They just jump on it, and they're able to vertically integrate and pivot quickly, whereas I think that uh, sometimes the community pharmacy owners find it very daunting to start something new. But if you can partner with people like us, then you're, you're able to have this uh, roadmap with how to get on, on, on that path, get it going. I mean, it's almost like going to the gym. Just get there, and then it works. So um, just uh, being able to, you're going to be able to remain competitive if you're able to pivot just like the big box chains are, are pivoting and incorporating these different ideas. We're here for a reason to help you. And you then can help your community. You're helping incre increase the quality of care and keep your customer base at home. So they're continuing to be customers of yours. We have uh, information from RxSafe that shows that adherence packaging helps to increase revenues, stabilize revenues, and help you grow as community pharmacies. But what other new revenue streams are before us now that we can implement in community pharmacy? I'd like to, to open up with Debbie again. Well, from my perspective, home health services, and that doesn't include just the caregiving in home. It, can, it could provide uh, transportation services, companion care services, maybe personal assistance services. 
But then another big part of it is care advocacy. So they can go in, these uh, employees of your company would go in as care advocates and understand where they're lacking, where the system is failing them. And one of the biggest reasons is medication noncompliance, and that bounces them into nursing homes. So um, definitely looking at those home care services, and not only is this then an opportunity to try new services for you, but having those patients in their homes they're going to be a referral source for all the other programs, your adherence packaging, um, your immunization programs, everything that you provide in your pharmacy, then you're going to be able to increase that by having your customer base in their home as well for home health services. So I want to shift to uh, Susan and let's talk about future opportunities. And we know that uh, meds at home has improved results within the pharmacy, but can you kind of expand upon that for us? So medical at home is not an easy button. It's not, I filled my adherence packaging, I send my delivery driver, I knock on the door, I hand it to him, I'm done. That is not medical at home. These patients require your extra services that we are talking about beyond that. So it may be, just like Debbie was talking about, it may be that you are picking up the phone and calling and talking to um, someone else who can provide food to that patient or can provide other care to that patient, which again turns around and gets referrals for you because now they found somebody else to go to. We have a pharmacy in Philadelphia who's doing this with about 1,400 patients and she actually has an ACO that she works with directly and they refer patients to her every day. So every day she's taking care of people. And the idea is, is that, again, you're doing things like medical medication reconciliation. When somebody goes to the hospital and they get out of the hospital and you're going home, I guarantee you the majority of their medications are wrong when they come out of the hospital. And if they're not wrong, they're duplicated. So that's a place where you have the expertise to say, no, Mr. Jones, do not take two statins. Take one statin. Because the one you had in the hospital is not the one you were on when you left your house. So those are the kind of things that you all can provide directly to them to make sure that they stay out of the hospital and out of the ER. And that's a super important place for you to be in. Tim, you mentioned in the beginning um, some supplement opportunities, and I'm thinking of increasing uh, revenues through other things that community pharmacy is doing. Can you share with the, the, um, the audience, um, you know, are you pursuing new revenue streams? What are those revenue streams? Yeah, so in Missouri, um, we it's required that we receive a prescription for um, supplements and so forth. So what we're looking at is we have about, at our main store, we have about 700 patients that are on our MedSync program. And so our technicians and community health workers that we're using <clears throat> will make these monthly calls. And when we're, especially if we have a new person that's coming on board that we're inboarding, we will um, ask them, I mean, some, some like adherence packaging, some do not. Um, but most of our patients, when they see what kind of uh, product that the Rapid Pack produces, they, they think it's great, especially caregivers. But we ask them if they have supplements, that they, do you take a vitamin? Do you take, you know, multivitamin? Do you take, you know, vitamin D or whatever? And then if they say yes, then we, of course, have their physician information. We go ahead and uh, call the physician for a, just an order for that, and we receive a standing monthly order <clears throat> or receive a, a monthly order for that uh, product, and we go ahead and package that in there. So that's actually increased our 
our um, uh, over-the-counter sales as well as increased the adherence packaging uh, work for the, the girls. We've actually have three individuals that are pack packaging about 220, 230 patients per month um, and uh, staying very busy and our patients are very happy with that. Um, and to be honest with you, the supplement sales have increased because of that as well. Um, not as much as some individuals, but requiring a prescription does require a little bit more work for that. Um, there's other opportunities that my neighbor next door here will be able to tell you a little bit more about too. So, Yes, Kelby, I want to hear about the automation that you're implementing and how that's helping to grow. Yeah, we've, t we've taken that a step further, not only doing what Tim's doing, but in, I've got two stores. One of ours is a wellness store where we've we focused on supplement sales. And so prior to, to getting the Rapid Pack, we were selling $25,000 a month in supplement sales. And with this, I've taken the Rapid Pack. I've been able to design 15 different multivitamin packs or vitamin packs that I'm selling now and have increased our revenue by 30% just by doing that. So, I mean, we've, we've gone from anywhere from $7,500 a month in vitamin packs to $15,000 a month, depending upon immune sales and so forth. So it's all about thinking outside the box. You've got to look at all of these different things. When we looked at the rapid pack, we initially were looking at it for adherence packaging. But I'm sitting here as a business person thinking, how on earth am I going to pay for this while that adherence packaging grows? And so we dove in with the vitamin packs, and we have more than paid for what it cost to purchase the rapid pack while we're now decreasing DIR fees in buildings. So it's, it's just one step on top of, of another. I want to go back to Tim for a second. What catalyst, what made you decide to prioritize adherence packaging over other choices that you have? Because you said some of your customers may not like adherence. Uh, yeah, so uh, we, we give them the option. When we show them, we actually have an example box setting up at our a register when they first walk in they ask a question about how can I get my mom on this or whatever um, and they may or may not have home care which is another option we're looking at adding possibly down the road um, in in our, um, their home but um, you know we <clears throat> we felt like that it was an important thing we actually added this as the pandemic was starting and we we added a new pharmacy system and we actually we added the rapid pack first and then we went to a new pharmacy system and my pharmacists and my technicians were like are you freaking crazy why are we doing this now <clears throat> but i said you know we have to do it now um, i felt like individuals were demanding it uh, we saw the opportunity um, and it it started getting very busy very quickly um, so we prioritized it because we felt like it was an important option to uh, offer uh, again not everyone wants that. Um, we do offer some other options, but Rapid Pack is by far the most popular and most successful for our business. And to be honest with you, my technicians that run, we have a, a separate MedSync slash um, Rapid Pack area that there's three technicians that are highly trained. Um, and they, if you get in their area, they're like, hey, this is my spot. Don't, don't touch anything. Um, how many people offer compliance packaging in here already? Yeah. So, um, and if you're offering different kinds of, of compliance, I hope you don't mind me doing that, but I, I feel like you see the value, um, and we saw the value, and we continue to see the value, and our patients continue to tell us 
that as well. One of my pharmacists actually did a presentation yesterday, and she had videos of a couple of our uh, MedSync slash Rapid Pack technicians. They're very invested in what's going on. And uh, we use community health workers, like I said earlier, to do this, and they will look at these social determinants of health and determine, okay, you know, they need compliance packaging because there's always an issue every time we call. Um, and they may need a home visit. So, and those are things that are very important to me um, because I can, if I can keep someone on those medications doing the right things, certainly that's important to sell medicines, but it hopefully will de decrease our DIR fees. Some of those individuals may be able to move into this medical at home. And that's why Susan has very much piqued my interest. Uh, when our, we had our discussion earlier, I think we can bypass a lot of DIR fees. So that's selfish on my part, but that is one of the reasons why I prioritize this. So I want to take a pause ask Shelby about implementation because these pharmacy owners out here don't want their business disrupted and implementing new technology, it's, it's a pain in the butt. So I want to hear about implementation. From the time you implement to the time things are flowing, new workflows that you're building, talk to us about the RxSafe experience. You got it. it. Obviously, anytime you get new technology, the first thing you're going to get is icy stares from your staff. Like, <laughs> what the heck are you doing to us? I mean, that's... That, but... <clears throat> What, what you always have to try to emphasize with them is these are ways that we are going to work more efficiently. So being able to, you, you've got to find out your workflow. I could sit here and tell you my workflow is just like this, but it's different in every store. You've got to sit down, you've got to sit down with your team and you've got to talk and you've got to say, this is the plan, this is where we're going. Let's as a team figure out how we're going to get there. So you've got to get your team on board with implementation. You've got to have buy-in, just like if you're talking to your customers. If you're, doing, if you're talking to your customers about weight loss, you've got to have buy-in from them on the weight loss first. So it's your team's the same thing. You have to have buy-in from them. So you've got to encourage your staff to look at it from a positive thing and not this is going to take my job, this is going to make my job easier. And then it's going to allow us also, when you, when you start talking dollars and cents, it's going to make us more profitable, which allows us as a company to do more things for our staff and allows us to do more things for our community. So Kelby and Tim and Lisa, pharmacy owners, um, centralized attention for their clients and customers within their community. But Susan and Rana, they get to see things from a macro perspective. So my question for Susan, have you seen a significant improvement in adherence uh, for patients on adherence packaging and how that's impacted patient care? Yes, usually when you talk to either drug manufacturers or even PBMs, they have about a, between a 50 and 60% adherence to medications on a regular basis. Um, we actually took a look at data that we have in-house from pharmacies that are already doing medical at home, and they have about a 95% adherence on their prescriptions. So it's significant on what happens with that. Um, so if you see that they are able to do all of the work that we're talking about, it is going to keep these people adherent. And if they're adherent, they're more likely to be able to stay at home and not move into assisted living or, or into a skilled nursing facility. And that makes them happy. And I always talk about the food is much better at home than it is in assisted <laughs> living or a nursing home. So just for that all alone, it's worth it. Right. Todd, Todd, you also have to look at it from the point of view that from a business point of view, if you're keeping that person at home, they're getting their medicines from you. Yeah. If they go into the hospital, you have lost that revenue. So you're doing them a service, but you're maintaining your business. 
So you've got to look at it from a, a position of you're helping the patient, but you're striving to thrive. Be aggressive and protect your business. Implementing exactly. home care, you have to be ready for everything. And you know that's where I think Debbie comes in with Happier at Home as well. And that coupling of those strategies. I want to go back to Rana and just say, in following up with the question for Susan, where do you see the adherence um, playing into better patient care? Yeah, I think adherence is one of the main reasons we've been able to get CMS to move on this issue. So as you all well know, in Medicare Part D, there's certain criteria that have to be in place for LTC skilled nursing patients residing in facilities. So we've taken that criteria and we've said, let this criteria serve patients in their home settings. Let's improve their adherence. Let's keep them out of a skilled setting that's going to cost you, CMS, more money. So CMS, as I mentioned, has at least taken that first step in saying, we recognize these services are vital. We recognize that these patients are getting a greater benefit. They're keeping you know, out of a skilled facility. So let's take a baby step and let's recognize LTC, then let's recognize assisted living. Then we're going to recognize there's a group of patients in their home who need this higher level of care. Okay. So their first step was CMS saying we recognize this need. The next step is for payers to pay that higher LTC rate for patients residing in their home. And that's where we're putting all our effort right now is to continue these efforts. But it all boils down to adherence to Todd's question. CMS took that first move in recognizing medical at home because of adherence. Pharmacy owners out there, put your hands up right now. I want to hear from you. What future opportunities are you building for your community? How are you enhancing services through your community pharmacy? What is new? I want to, anyone want to answer the question, what future opportunities are you evaluating to build new business for your pharmacy? Excellent. Oh, Bill's, Bill's got Pharmacy. It. Thank you. I think one of the things that we're currently looking at, and I noticed that there was a booth here at the at the show, is um, being able to um, provide hearing aids. So we want to look at that and see if that has an opportunity for us. Excellent. We have a panel up here that is plethora of information. By a show of hands, I want to see um, questions coming from the audience to dig into uh, point of care testing, home care implementation, additional services to help you grow your business, anything um, that comes up. By show of hands, any questions for our panelists? Here's one, Todd. I don't know if my question is more for Jerry Med or for the home health. So I have a closed-door pharmacy. My question is, can I move my compliance package patients that are meeting this criteria and run them through my closed-door pharmacy, or do I have to take my retail pharmacy and make it a combo pharmacy to get that benefit? Now you can move it into your long-term care pharmacy, absolutely. All the manufacturers that are dealt with in this space, the brand manufacturers, are completely fine with you doing medical at home. Excellent question. Yes. My question is regarding the vitamin packs. Are you doing that specific for a patient or are you just doing it general overall? And what are you putting in these packs? General. So I, I just, I designed, I think I've got 15 different packs now. So I've got a basic multivitamin, an advanced multivitamin, a super multivitamin. I've got an immune boost, a super immune boost, a heart health pack, a diabetic pack, a thyroid support pack, a men's multi, a men's advanced multi, a women's multi. 
Um, and that's just the beginning. Whatever, whatever pops into my mind, I'll, I'll come up with next. But the basic thing when I did this, I take all the supplements that I utilize. So I, I've seen some people that have gone out and said, well, I'm going to try to go find the lowest cost supplements. I, did, I totally disagree with that. Yeah. If you're selling these supplements in your store and you believe in that quality, stick with that quality. Okay? You want to sell something that's quality that people will see a difference in. So then taking that and expanding upon that. So I, I, when I've done that, I felt like the purpose that I had in that was anybody can go buy vitamins anywhere. They can only get those vitamin packs from me. And they have to come back every 30 days. So just like adherence in your medications, if you're on 10 different supplements, they never run out at the same time. So they probably, one bottle or two bottles run out, they stop taking it, it's lost revenue. Initially, I thought, man, I'm, I'm, I was scared. Is this going to take away from my sales? And it did not. I was shocked. I did not lose a single dollar in my supplement sales. I only added another 30% to it. So it's not rocket science. Take what you're using, build upon that. You can design your own packs. I came up with my own labels, everything. So it's, it's not hard to do. I would like to add, so like I said, in the state of Missouri, we have to be careful not to just, we can't actually package them. So I would advise you to check with your board of pharmacy, make sure that what, I mean, I have no problem with that. I wish, you know, we were able to do that, but, um, but you can take it a step further and creating, you know, what we're doing is when we do our med sync, we're we ask them what vitamins they're taking. Do you know we offer these vitamins? We can put these right in your packs. We can offer the exact same vitamin that you're buying at, you know, wherever. Um, and we, again, stand behind the, the, the vitamins that we recommend. Um, and uh, being able to do it that way. That keeps us legal with the State Board of Pharmacy in Missouri. So just something to keep in mind. So. I, I do have plans to expand it to customized. So I want to build in where we can do nutrient testing and then customizable testing beyond, you know, customized packs beyond that. So that's, it's always something as a business person, you know, you're always looking for that next thing that you can do. You're trying to stay ahead of, of the Joneses, you know, so you, you've got to, you've got to always be thinking outside the box. Lisa, we know that the status quo is a business killer and I think you have more than enough ideas, but when you're listening to the panel, you're listening to some of the questions as a pharmacy owner. Um, oh, there's another question. Go ahead. Once you design your base packs and you were ready to introduce those to the marketplace, was that a direct-to-consumer? Was it through physicians? Was it through consulting? How did you get, how did you find acceptance? Direct to consumer. So what I did was I took my my sales that the people walking through the door. When I made my vitamin packs, I got my shelving, my gondola. When they walk in my door, it smacks them right in the face. They see that product before they see anything else when they walk into my door. We've been advertising TV and radio for years, so we we expanded. I switched all of my advertising then to my vitamin packs doing my own radio, doing my own uh, OTT, so we stream it. If you're doing any type of marketing, I suggest going OTT so you can streamline, you can pick your demographics. So we marketed directly to consumer. We actually did both. Um, we are multiple ways. We marketed to physicians that we had good relationships with. I've got um, a couple of clinic pharmacies that absolutely love it. 
and we brought the box over. We even offered a tour of you know for the, of the facility for they could come in, but we ended up taking making a video, and we showed them the video and how the machine works. Um, the physicians are like. Everybody that comes in, we're sending them to your pharmacy, and they're going to get on this. They have problems keeping up with their medications. We also do the direct-to-consumer. We made little flyers when people walked in the door. Um, and we have the example box that I spoke about earlier. We just put some, like, Skittles and various things in that. Uh, the girls like making those, by the way. They think they're pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, we show them how it works. We pull it off. And all of my technicians know how these things work. If it gets into more detail, as far as knowing more detail from the pharmacist, then they'll pull them out. But my technicians all know how to sell it. Um, I haven't really put any incentives out there for them because they started selling them immediately, and they thought that was the coolest thing. Um, and, and I've got, like I said, I've got three individuals that that are pretty much experts in, in packaging and understanding how they need to do it. So then when it gets into more detail, they'll even come, come out and visit with them, sit down at a table and go through all their meds along with a pharmacist for consulting. So. I want to let everybody know also any of the panelists that you want to follow up with, you can reach out to the RX Safe team and get their contact information. I did want to ask um, a question of Lisa just about status quo and standing still and how you've seen through your clients um, what works, what doesn't. So just in wrapping up today. Yeah, you know, people will always pay for what they want, not necessarily what they need. And, you know, just as they've shown that creating these custom vitamin packs, that's actually the business strategy I see for these packs. Yes, there's people that are the elderly and the at home, and that, that's only going to be a finite number of your patients. I think the bigger market is your community, is giving them what they want. So whether it's the micronutrient testing, the customization, I mean... New Year's is around the corner. What happens in New Year's? Everybody wants weight loss, right? So go create a weight loss bundle. Maybe you don't have the RX Safe Rapid Pack installed yet. Don't wait for the machine. Create a bundle now, and then when you get the machine, you can package it, and then they'll never go anywhere else because they have. And then you can sell it in 30 days, and you start to create a, a monthly recurring revenue model where it's like a subscription service, and you can really start to elevate your service level to the community because now you're packaging them in 30 count you know, increments and you're charging them, you know, $60 a month or 80 a month or 40 a month, whatever your price point may be. And you're now become a, a, a trusted person where you're offering them what they want and they, and they, and they love you for it. And they'll gladly hand over their money because now you've made their life better. And so I think that's really the opportunity for every pharmacy owner in here is providing options to your community and the options, whether it's to stay at home. Yes, the food's better at home, you know, <laughs> options to stay at home, but options to, for them to handle the care they want to. Um, people want more control, especially our younger, you know, everybody talks about the elderly demographics. You got to start bringing those customers in in their twenties and thirties so that they stick with you until they're, you know, in their fifties and sixties and eighties and beyond. And so the way you do that is they like customization and they like options. And so I think that's actually better use cases for some of these technologies and automations is don't forget about the young crowd. They, they will pay money too. It's October 2nd, Bill. Do we have enough time to implement the tax savings that we can get by uh, getting a system in place? Thank you, Todd. Uh, I'm Bill Holmes, uh, founder and CEO of ArcSafe, and, and I want to thank everyone for uh, spending time with us at lunch today, and hopefully this has been beneficial. Is there anyone here, uh, by show of hands, that would like to save $100,000 in DIR fees in the next 12 months? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty universal. 
So <clears throat> Joe Williams was supposed to join us today. He had problems with the flights because of Ian, but uh, he will tell you at Brisson Pharmacy in a little town of St. Paul, Min uh, South Carolina, I always do that Minnesota problem, uh, that he saved $100,000 in DIR fees by using medical at home and, and strip packaging to allow for uh, his facilitation of those, those patients. And, and by the way, you're already selling drugs to those patients. These are not new patients. These are people who are homebound that you're currently supplying medication to that fit the requirements. Susan and Rana are experts. Uh, come to our booth at RxSafe and we'll help you with that or come to their booths and talk to them. Uh, do not overlook this opportunity. And, and Joe is a great guy. Uh, you can, uh, we can give you his contact information on how he did it. Um, is there anyone here that would like to see their patient's adherent rate go up from 50 to 95 percent. What does it mean to the community? Well, let's, let's talk about win-win. The patient is supposed to take the medications the physician prescribes. What's the number one complaint of physicians with elderly patients? They ask the patient who is ill back in the office, are you taking the meds the way I prescribed? And what does grandma always do? Yes. And they're not. That's the number one problem. So if you get your patients to be adherent, the first beneficiary is the patient because they're healthier. They're taking the meds they were prescribed. Second beneficiary is their family who doesn't have to find out what's wrong with grandma or grandpa and take care of them and spend every Sunday afternoon <coughs> trying to fill that med minder so that those pills get taken correctly during the week. I know this intimately. My father passed away with a med error that was completely avoidable. He had wet AMD, he'd lost his vision in part, and uh, one day, living alone, proud World War II veteran, didn't want any help, didn't want to be in a nursing home, absolutely wouldn't do it. He mixed up his meds, spilled the bottles, didn't get it right. Six months in an ICU, never got out of bed. Well, these, these are not isolated problems. We all know these stories. 125,000 people a year die unnecessarily that way. And it's a half a trillion dollars of expense to the healthcare system that we could all prevent. Half a trillion dollars. That's, my dad was $350,000 in the ICU. Six months. So adherence packaging is a big deal. So who's the next winner? Pharmacy. Your revenue will go up on those patients from 50% to 95% adherent. So you'll gain 50% or thereabouts more revenue and therefore more profit. Who else benefits? Everyone in, this, everyone in the supply chain. It's a win-win all the way across the board. So adherence is the most important thing we can do. I saw a bunch of hands in here when we asked how many people are doing adherence packaging. Well, probably some are already on strip packaging, but most are hand-filling bingo cards. Problem with that is it's not scalable, it's not cost-effective, and it's error-prone, especially with lots of meds and, and multi-dose cards. Let us tell you how to improve that. Come talk to us, we can do that. Uh, everyone's concerned about staff with the recession coming. It's going to get better. I just talked to an economist last week who said we are in for uh, a, a, we're in a technical recession right now. Two quarters in a row with reduced GDP is a technical recession. So this heated economy that happened because the government gave away 2.2 trillion dollars worth of giveaways is now being spent. It's gone. We're seeing higher inflation, higher interest rates, and the economy is cooling very rapidly, which means this difficulty in hiring people will ease. The high cost you have to pay staff 
will ease. The competitiveness in the workplace for staff will, will become less competitive. So we're not far away from getting back to what I would call more normal instead of this craziness we're living through now. So there's hope. Don't give up. So I want to thank you all for coming. I hope uh, we've answered a lot of questions. If you have more questions, ask any of us. Uh, if you want to hear from Joe Williams, we'll connect you. But thank you again for your time and attention. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.